Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Thursday, March 30th, and we are oh so close. Uh, the final Cardinals podcast before the 2017 regular season commences. We're joined, as always, by Jennifer Langosh. And uh, Jennifer, uh, just what the Cardinals need, right? Another ailments, another injury, and another name on the DL. That name, uh, Trevor Rosenthal, as uh, he was just sent uh, earlier on Thursday to the uh, 10-day DL. This does open the door for one of my favorite names in all of baseball, all of sports, really, to come back into the fold. So give us the details uh, about all that. Yeah, um, you know, certainly not what the Cardinals anticipated. The Cardinals, of course, set their roster, thought they had set their roster last weekend. Um, but Trevor Rosenthal is now on the DL with a right lat issue. It's the same issue um, that sidelined him early in camp earlier this month when he had to shut down for about 10, 10 to 14 days. Um, you know, I haven't gotten word yet as to how severe this is, but certainly the fact that he will not be on the opening day roster is a big deal, and it's it's really a disappointment to Trevor, who um, had had a, a fairly good spring outside of the injury issues kind of cropping up here and there. He had redefined himself, stretched out. The Cardinals very excited about the prospect of using him over multiple innings in the bullpen. He even got a look um, as a starting candidate, and now, of course, he is on the DL. So um, his his injury, though, is Sam Tuivalala's opportunity. So Sam was optioned out a week ago. He was uh, just called back up. He'll be on the opening day roster for the first time in his career. He had a pretty good camp, Matt. He, you know, he had one really tough outing that kind of ballooned the ERA, and it's hard to recover from that when you don't have that many opportunities in March. Um, but this is a guy who, who showed a very good curveball to go along with his high 90-mile-per-hour fastball this spring. He'll be used out of the bullpen probably um, mostly in, in non-leverage situations, but he'll get an opportunity to look here as Trevor Rosenthal's on the mend. Yeah, I will never get t- Tired of saying the name Tui Valala when I'm doing a Cardinals highlight package. So for that reason alone, I'm pleased, as, as disappointed as I am, uh, for Mr. Rosenthal and uh, his ailment. So, Jen, in terms of uh, the bullpen configuration, on you know, obviously uh, Sonuano is the ninth-inning guy that's locked and loaded, but was Trevor going to be, you know, the eighth-inning bridge? Was that set in stone? Or if not, how do things uh, kind of shake out now uh, with that bridge construction leading to O in the ninth inning? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, Trevor's role was really going to be somewhat undefined going into this season. As we've talked about before, the Cardinals were very excited um, about the possibility of kind of using him as a flex reliever. They were, you know, intrigued by watching in particular what Andrew Miller did in the postseason last year. And while it's impossible to replicate that sort of bullpen usage over the course of 162 games, 
the Cardinals like this idea of having a guy who um, can maybe you know pitch the, the sixth or seventh inning, say, you know, and bridge a close game um, from a short start into the back end of the bullpen. Well, now with him out of the mix. Um, I think what we're going to see are those late innings covered by Kevin Segris and Brett Cecil, your two lefty setup guys, um, as well as a Jonathan Broxton in that mix. Matt Bowman um, has the flexibility to pitch multiple innings if needed, so the Cardinals might use him there. They also like how he fits as a ground ball specialist, kind of a la Seth Manus, uh, what we saw Manus do the last couple of years, be the, the double play guy when, when the Cardinals got in a jam. I could see Bowman fitting there. Miguel Sokolovich, another guy who can pitch multiple innings, and with Trevor now not in the mix, at least for the start of the season, um, you know, Sokolovich's role could be enhanced a little bit. And, and as I mentioned with Tui Valala, probably more of a mop-up guy. I'm not sure we're going to see him in any big spots until he can, you know, really kind of earn his way into those. But I still think, you know, even with Trevor um, now questionable, obviously out for the start of the season and, and questionable as to when he'll return, I still see the bullpen as a strength for this Cardinals team. I mean, they essentially have – four or five guys that you'd feel very comfortable pitching in the back end of a game. And that's a really good place to be coming into opening day. Yeah, no question. A lot of depth uh, in that relief core. But uh, again, you know, you lose, you lose one guy and there's always the domino effect. Everybody gets bumped up a spot. And uh, to have a guy with uh, Rosenthal's uh, experience and versatility not at your disposal, at least for the beginning of the season, it's a hurdle to overcome, but hopefully not a big one as uh, the Cardinals uh, try to get by without him, at least uh, for the first uh, you know week or two here of the 2017 regular season. Uh, Jen, transitioning uh, to the starting rotation, uh, Adam Wainwright had his final spring training tune-up on Tuesday. He was pretty vocal about uh, you know needing to have that start go well and also needing it to be against the Mets which it, which it was because of course as we recall uh, the Mets absolutely bludgeoned the poor guy for 10 runs in less than two innings a couple of starts ago uh, the numbers this time around are much better his only mistake his only real blemish a three-run homer he gave up to Lucas Duda you know it it might sound ridiculous somewhat to put so much emphasis on a, a spring training start for a guy with as much you know mileage on his arm and experience as Adam Wainwright has, but just how meaningful was that five-inning start for Adam considering what happened the last time he faced the Mets? Yeah, I mean, just for kind of peace of mind on his behalf, he really, as you mentioned, he really wanted that start. It wasn't but a couple of days after that, that forgettable start he had in Port St. Lucie in the middle of March that he kind of looked ahead at where he'd be pitching at his next few and his next final Grapefruit League games and um, was very excited to see that that last one would come back in Port St. Lucie against that same Mets team. And he faced a real good lineup, um, you know, that, that last time out. He looked good. He didn't look great. Um, I did think it was interesting that Wainwright acknowledged that his first start against the Mets, he kind of just went out there and, and pitched without a lot of thought, without a lot of conviction or intention behind his pitches. And um, quite frankly, so that he deserved the outcome that followed because of kind of the lackadaisical approach that he took, which is not something we're, we're used to hearing Wainwright say. Um, this last start, he really treated like he would a regular season start. I mean, he did the same pregame routine. He, he got up there in pitch counts. Um, and he felt really good afterwards. The, the thing for him moving forward, that you know, if, if there's any concern, is we still saw um, quite a few pitches up in the zone, and he needs to kind of bring those down a little bit. And he's just going to have to be finer with his command. I mean, this is not a guy who's going to overpower you with a, a high 90-mile-per-hour fastball. So um, he's going to have to be crafty. He, he worked, of course, on the changeup and the curveball a, a lot this spring. Those are going to have to be weapons for him. And he's just going to have to get back to maybe kind of like – 
you know, out, out crafting uh, other other batters if he's going to want to be successful at the age he is with the repertoire he has. Yeah, it's it's uh, a matter of uh, you know not uh, not saying he can't overpower certain guys in certain spots, but that's not going to be his primary game, as you said. He's got to be a little more crafty, uh, outsmart guys a little bit more than maybe he had to in his younger days. And it'll be a very interesting 2017 season for Adam Wainwright, of course. Uh, the guy he's going to be throwing the majority of his pitches to, Yadier Molina, no secret there. And uh, a very interesting situation now with Yadi. He's pretty much put the Cardinals on the clock with regards to his uh, contract situation. He said rather bluntly that if the Cardinals do not offer him a contract, before the season opener, which is a day before most teams, they play the Sunday night game against the Cubs, then Yachty is not going to hesitate to test the waters in free agency uh, after the season. So I guess the question is, uh, how much pressure is on John Mozeliak right now, Jen? There's a lot. I mean, right now, quite frankly, Yadi Molina has all the leverage in this, and, and he really did kind of shake things up here. It's been a pretty quiet Cardinals camp, and, and quiet is usually good because it means things are going well and guys are, are staying healthy. But um, Yadi came back from the World Baseball Classic completely re- re-energized and, and kind of um, a little bit youthful seeming after playing with so many young players on that Puerto Rican team. And um, he he is not afraid of becoming a free agent. And he actually, in some ways, kind of um, welcomes the opportunity so he can find out what his value is. That being said, um, he says that it's still his priority to, to try to work out something with the Cardinals. He put that deadline, that Sunday deadline, on the Cardinals, and that did reignite conversations between Molina's agent and Mo beginning earlier this week on Monday. Those continue, and as of my last talks with Molina and Mosellock just yesterday, um, you know, both sides acknowledge that the clock is still running and that there's still – um, you know, some some gap to, to make up. So I'm not sure right now how I'd quantify the likelihood of something happening by Sunday, but certainly this is going to be a talking point and potentially a distraction on this team if it's something that's not um, finalized before Sunday. And for Yachty, who, um, you know, has given his heart and soul to this organization for so long, he wants to be the highest or among the highest paid catchers in the game. And what that's going to mean is a pretty big jump in salary. And he's not afraid to go and see if somebody, if it's not the Cardinals, if another team is willing to give him that as a free agent yeah it's it's going to be a, a tense couple of days uh in in cardinals camp no doubt as the situation lingers and jen what i'm curious to find out from you had this been yadi's position all along or did it did his standout performance in the world baseball classic kind of motivate him to to draw this line in the sand right now because he knows he, he's a smart guy his stock is sky high right now so did that kind of motivate him to say look we got to get this done before sunday yeah, it's a good question. He had never before this past weekend drawn a line in the sand. So in that regard, you know, unless maybe perhaps he had thought as much, but publicly it was the first time that he had come out. And, and it really caught the Cardinals a little bit off guard. He was just you know, probably about two weeks ago. Um, John Mozelik had talked about how there really wasn't this sense of urgency that he was willing to do business during the season. Um, then all of a sudden he hears from his catcher, and, and that's, that's a feeling that's not shared from the other side. I think the one thing that the World Baseball Classic did do for Yachty is it really made him believe that he can play, I mean, he can be an elite catcher for several more years. And I think that's where he and the Cardinals might run into a little bit of a disconnect because here you have a guy who will turn 35 this season. How long are you willing to commit to him at the dollars that, that he feels he, he rightfully deserves? And if we're talking among the highest paid catchers in the game, you're talking you know, Buster Posey making 22, Russell Martin making 20 million this year, Yachty um, at 14. So that salary would have to jump. And if Yachty truly believes that he can now play three or four more years, is that territory that comfortable the Cardinals are comfortable in going to? And I, I think that might be where there's a little bit of hesitancy is they expect some sort of regression to hit at some point. 
On the flip side, of course, this is a this is a very special player in organizational history, and, and certainly there is something to be said uh, of the possibility of him being a lifetime Cardinal and what that would mean for his legacy. And the Cardinals um, certainly are considering that as they're trying to work through these negotiations. Yeah, it's it's so hard. It's so hard when you're trying to do business. You got to take sentimentality out of the equation. Easier said than done. And, uh, you know, like you said, that we're not talking about a, a guy who plays as a DH in the American League. We're talking about a guy who plays the most demanding position physically, maybe mentally, too, of any position on the diamond. He is creeping up on his mid-30s, and uh, it's it's interesting because, you know, on one hand, he does deserve the money. On the other hand, the Cardinals have a business to run. As we said, it's going to be a very interesting uh, 48 to uh, 72 hours leading up to that uh, that Molina-imposed deadline of Sunday night. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Jen, transitioning, uh, you know, there's always a feel-good story in spring training camp every year. I think last year it was definitely uh, Jeremy Hazelbaker. This year, Jose Martinez, a, a decade in the minor leagues, he was informed by Mike Matheny that uh, he's not going to ride the buses any longer, at least for the time being. He is on the opening day roster, and uh, I would think that uh, for you to to cover these types of stories and to talk to these guys that finally see a lifelong dream achieved, it, it has to never get old. It's so refreshing, Matt. I mean, it's, you know, when you talk to a guy like Jose Martinez the day that he learned that he was going to make the opening day roster, um, he was nearly in tears. I mean, that's, that's what it meant to him. And I think so often we see these top prospects just climb up and have the path paved for them. Or, you know, other guys maybe have a little bit of adversity, but they break through pretty easily. But to, to talk to somebody about a journey 10 years in the making, somebody who had three surgeries on his same knee within a four-year span and was told by a doctor that if the last one didn't take, his career would be over. Um, somebody who won the Pacific Coast League batting title a couple years ago and, and couldn't even get a September call-up with that organization. For, for him to continue to persevere um, and to come and have such a good camp, and I mean, he, he earned his spot. This was um, a spot that the Cardinals were probably ready to give to Tommy Pham when camp opened, and, and Jose Martinez changed a lot of minds. It's it's really cool to see. Again, it's, it's very refreshing to see and, and a special story, and it means so much to this guy, uh, again, who's gone through so much. You hope for success. It's going to be a challenge for him, quite frankly, because he's going to come and be on a team, and he's going to serve in a bench role. He's not going to get a lot of um, playing opportunities, so staying sharp is going to be something he's going to have to learn how to do in a part-time role. But certainly I don't think anybody is going to have more fun on opening day at Bush Stadium than Jose Martinez. Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet. What a wonderful story, and uh, hats off to him for sure. Jen, as we uh, come down the stretch here, a couple of random topics I want to throw in your direction. Uh, what player on this team right now, after perhaps underachieving last year, is uh, is poised for a bounce back? It might be a guy that we've already talked about extensively here, but, but uh, give me your answer on that. Yeah, it could have easily been Trevor Rosenthal, but I think I, you know, regardless of Rosenthal's status, Michael Walker stands out as that guy to me. He had a sensational spring, and all those questions coming in about his shoulder and would it hold up, he answered um, very strongly. Now, of course, his season is going to be defined largely by durability. You know, what can he um, do in the second half of the season? Will his shoulder be strong? Will he be healthy? Uh, but if what we saw in spring is an indicator of what's to come. Michael Walker is not a fifth starter on this team. He is potentially a frontline starter. That fastball changeup mix is, is really good down in the zone consistently. The curveball looks like a pitch that he can actually use with some success this year. So um, he, you know, credit to him for changing his workout regimen this offseason to get himself strong and, and, in, and in position to, to potentially thrive again and kind of be 
the pitcher that we saw break onto the scene in 2013. And Jen, the other side of that coin, uh, give me a guy that's uh, maybe in your eyes or the organization's eyes, uh, maybe overachieved a little bit last year and is therefore a candidate for at least a slight regression here this season. Yeah, probably Jed Jerko. I mean, when you think about, you know, who who led the Cardinals in home runs on a team that hit 225 last year, I don't think many people would have guessed it would be Jed Jerko with 30. Um, I, I have a hard time envisioning him hitting 30 home runs and 400 at-bats again this year again, too, because, you know, for him, playing time might not come as regularly as he hopes. That being said, I think he can still be a very important piece on this team. His versatility is huge and that he can spell guys time across the infield. And he is going to be able to, to provide some of that pop that we saw last year, but to expect 30 home runs from him, I think might be a little bit of a stretch. So um, I would expect to see that number regress this year. And uh, Jen, to wrap up here, as we said at the top, our final uh, podcast before opening day 2017 with that in mind, from previous home openers you've covered at uh, Bush Stadium, what is your favorite memory? What stands out to you? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've only covered one home opener, at, or actually one opening day home opener at Bush Stadium, and it came as a visiting writer when I covered the Pirates. <laughs> um, it's probably my most memorable opener anyways. Uh, I remember waking up that morning in St. Louis, across the street at the hotel. I looked out my window and there was snow covering the ground. So um, didn't know if we'd have a game that day. It did melt away. We did have a game. Um, unfortunately for the Cardinals, it all fell apart in the ninth inning. I remember Jack Wilson hitting a bases clearing double uh, with a team down by two and two outs in the ninth inning. So the Pirates came away with the win that day. Again, it was my first time ever experiencing true opening day in St. Louis as the team typically opens on the road. So I'm excited about Sunday night. I can't imagine a more electric atmosphere than we're going to have here with the defending world champions and, and them, you know, of course, being the Cubs here in town. It's, it's going to be fun and, and probably one of the better memories I'll have. Yeah, I bet. Uh, that's going to be a game a lot of eyes are going to be glued to. Uh, so many storylines, again, with the, the Cubs as world champions, uh, with Dexter Fowler facing his former mates. Uh, it's it's going to be something. I know that's, uh, that game's going to bring in a lot of eyeballs for sure. Uh, Jen, we're going to wrap things up a little bit differently this week as you recently had the chance to sit down with Mike Matheny as the two of you discuss what's in store for the St. Louis Cardinals in the upcoming 2017 season. Here with Mike Matheny as we wind down camp here at spring training. Mike, can, as you look back on camp this year, in what ways do you think your team is going to look different on the field in 2017 than we saw in 2016? Uh, I think uh, every way. We have a very motivated group of guys to um, put a different product on the field. And this is coming from them. Um, they want to see themselves be a better defensive team. They want to see themselves be a better pitching club. Um, I think we all want to see uh, the little things. And it's something that our organization has taken a lot of pride in for a long time, uh, getting runners over, uh, getting guys in, uh, making the plays, uh, being better base runners. I mean, those sort of things have kind of been, um, I believe, synonymous with Cardinals organization and it um, somehow eluded us last year and something that our guys have learned from and are very motivated for it to look differently so I think all the way across the board we're going to see different. When you talk about the fundamentals I mean that was a focus priority day one of camp how have you seen that play out and are there noticeable differences in yeah. the spring this year? Yeah I think without question um, once again um, the, the idea on the basis uh, is been a, a big focus that we're celebrating and the guys are buying into that and, uh, something that just seems so trivial is maybe um, getting from first to third and how it can change the complexity of the game how putting pressure on the defense with what you're doing on the bases uh, how that all of a sudden turns into better pitches that the hitter gets or maybe ball that gets past the, the catcher um, and, and then the defense is just being a little more intentional with the work that we're doing and having a game plan of 
uh, what each individual needs, the, the repetitions, making sure they're getting enough, not just doing it to do it, but have a purpose. And, and really having uh, the guys themselves help define what it is that they would like to see themselves improve on and then put a game plan together of how that should look in their work. So um, I think so far this spring we've had a much cleaner um, game all the way around and it's something that I know is, is contagious. So uh, anxious to watch them implement it for them. 162 plus. Two of the guys who were kind of intriguing names coming into camp are Michael Waka and Trevor Rosenthal. Both, you know, we didn't know what we were going to see or what role that they might fit. Can you describe what you've seen from both of those guys this spring and how you do think that fit will be for them? You know, Michael's healthy, and that's, that was our concern. And uh, we're just trying to get him a place where if his arm feels right, this stuff looks different, and it's looked different all spring. So um, part of our responsibility now is how do we, we keep him there? And uh, when his stuff's right, he has the ability to, to really be a dominant pitcher. And so it's going to continue to um, look at how he, he prepares in between his starts, how to keep that strength up, how to keep his weight on. I mean, all those things are great challenges for him. So we'll um, help uh, however we can and just hope for the best for the health. If he's healthy, he's going to be in a very good spot. Uh, Trevor also looks good, and what we were planning was just giving him a little more time, let him throw off the, um, not just out of the pen, but even in the starter's role, and uh, kind of stretch him out a little bit. He's responded well. He's had, his last outing was very efficient, kind of outing that you could see if we needed somebody to step in at any role. Um, he's getting to the point where he would definitely be a consideration, but we know what we have. When he's throwing the ball well out of the pen, he can be a shutdown guy in any inning. Um, even the last one, he's had a lot of success in. Someone knows in a great place, but it's nice to have other guys who've had experience at the back end. It just gives us more depth. When Dexter Fowler signed here in December, there was a lot of excitement about what he would bring and the impact he would have. How would you say that's manifested itself in spring, both on the field and in the clubhouse? Yeah, he's electric wherever he goes. I, I don't know if I've ever seen uh, a personality like his in the game. I mean, uh, just a guy who almost defies um, clicks. Uh, wherever there's a, a group that seems to kind of be separating themselves, he inserts himself and um, he, he draws them back to the rest of the group. And it's not like he's making it happen, just it's organically for him. He just likes people. Um, you can tell he loves this game, he loves life, and those are just kind of people, I don't care what industry or what company you put him into, it's just gonna make people better. Um, on the field, there's just no question. He's exactly what we'd hope for, uh, what he's doing at this work the other outfielders and, and helping the communication and, and teaching um, and then he goes about his at-bats as good as anybody in the game and uh, just real happy with, with the addition that he is um, on the field but in our clubhouse and I think we're going to be saying the same thing about our, the St. Louis community. Uh, just the just kind of citizen we like having around and uh, we're just uh, anxious to watch how it all plays together for our club. This is the first year since you took over as manager that you guys aren't entering the season as defending division champs or having just made a deep postseason run. How does that change the messaging or the motivation for you? Yeah, and I, I think a lot about that over the winter and really just kind of rest on what the guys say and, and what they're thinking, not necessarily just what I'm thinking. I want to represent their thoughts and ideas. And you know, it, uh, it's, it's almost uh, the, the elephant that's in the room another team out there that had just a terrific season last year and, and they're going to continue to be good. Um, but the focus and the concentration that I hear from the guys isn't necessarily about another team or about the lack of 
talk about our club. It's it's internal. It's about what what do we need to do differently, and I love that. And so that's what I'm feeding off of. And if I felt like that was you know some sort of edge that we needed to, to point out, hey, don't forget about us. But I'm not hearing that from them, so it's not going to come from me. And what I hear is, you know, let's take care of our own business, and we get to go out there and compete. And you know, we're anxious even start that on opening day. MLB.TV Premium, the number one live streaming sports service is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.TV Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 